Right, welcome to the playroom. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I haven't heard from you in a long time. I know Clubhouse is an in and out thing, but meeting you that day was amazing, and I'm so glad we're able to connect again today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was fun that day. It was. It really was. How's your week been? Um, It's been busy, but productive, so that's always good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and yours? Good. Mine has been good, productive, um, insightful. Um, I'm just happy that, you know, every day we just try to get better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it would be great for us to to know um, more about you, about your business, what you do, and we can get right into it if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so here we go. (laughs) First and foremost, thank you so much, Shelly, for coming to the playroom today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) This sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it is a playroom. And here is where we really offer value. And the people who come here are so monumental. And you're one of them because we're we're literally in a new season. And the, the kind of people that are coming are... I'm so grateful, you know, to meet people like you who are changing lives and changing the world right now. Thank you. I don't know that I am in any of those categories, but thank you so much. You're welcome. I feel like you would probably be in it because, you know, if we're talking about influence, it can start from, you know, your your closest surrounding, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, so... Everybody is an influencer. Exactly. That is true. Let us know more about you, Shelly. Tell us your business, what you do, and, you know, what's what's really making you, you know, look forward to the next day. So, well, I'm a retired registered nurse. Um, I was a nurse, worked as a nurse for about 30 years. And then I stopped to take care of my father who had dementia and during that time I needed to find something to do you know since I was at home probably like a lot of people right now they are they were trying to find something to do during COVID with all this extra in time anyway so I started a blog and it ended up growing in popularity due to Twitter Twitter was really more of a thing back then you could actually have conversations on Twitter. Um, And so because of the success I had with my blog myself, people started asking me to do their social media. So that's what we do. We do social media for people, um, for businesses, small businesses and professionals. We have done for you services. We have consulting. We do a um, three-day social media conference once a year. And then we have group coaching programs. And so then when I'm not doing that, um, I do some influencer work for various people. That's amazing. I, I think a lot of people need these things right now because of the value of information and how important we need to empower each other. Yeah, right. It's a time where we need to be more supportive than we have been in the past. Yeah, if you think about the like pre-pandemic and now, especially how we have to focus on value and 
relationships. What are those things that you see that that change the the trajectory on, you know, how like you have to create content and create value and sometimes it, it can be so harsh, you know. So so before the pandemic and now how have things changed as far as connecting with people and still staying influential? Hmm. Well, um, for me, I don't, I don't think it's changed that much for me, but I do see influencer marketing going in a, a little bit of a different direction, which is um, why I am probably going in a little bit of a different direction also. Um I think that brands believe that influencers um, probably don't deserve as much money as influencers have been making in the past. And for sure, there's, you know, some influencers who are going to be, um, who are going to be working and keep working. But then there's a lot of others who are going to reevaluate all the work they do for free, basically. And say, I don't know. I think I'll do something else. That's true. That's yeah, true. Because a, a lot of businesses um, during the pandemic, there have been a lot of businesses that kind of went out. Uh, you know, out of not out of business, but you know, there's no. There were not very many traveling influencers. There were not many. Um, not very many influencers who could do any work with cars and just different types of influence than they they wanted to pull back on. Mm. Wow. I, I think right now when you think about influence and social media, mm. it it has completely changed our outlook because before we used to check out social media to see what's trending, what's happening, just to catch up. But now it's like part of our lifestyle. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know, but you know, it's always. I guess I have been a part of social media since two thousand eight, so um, I was always checking my social media way back then too. So yeah, that's amazing. I think right now, especially when you think about growing your business on social media, you you focus highly on without hiring a full-time staff you know when people think about scaling businesses they think about oh i have to pay for insurance or i have to pay for this need or i have to pay for this contractor there's so many doubts and overwhelming and and costs that are probably not even exaggerated to the extent of you know being you know feeling vulnerable like oh maybe this is what i need to do in my business this is how i need to take care of my business when you are using this ideologies to kind of like stop you from working and stop you from scaling. What are the things that you've seen, especially with the clients that you've had in the past based on hiring and time management, full time? Like, do, do they have this implications that really stop their flow from actually scaling in their business? So are you talking about um, those businesses that are going to hire an influencer or hire a social media manager or what kind of what do you mean by that? Well, I would say in terms of hiring a social media manager, because that's that's where they start before they even think about influence. Right. OK. Um, so, yeah, businesses can do social media by themselves, but really it's a lot of work. And we always run into clients who say, 
Well, I'm just going to have my nephew do it because they're on Facebook all the time. They know how it works. And we're like, wow, does your nephew, you know, have a business degree? Do they know anything about business? (laughs) Because that's part of the whole equation as well. Um, So there's that. But if you take the time to learn how to do social media, you can fit it in as a small business owner during the day. But always, you know, everybody always recommends stay in your zone of brilliance. So if that's not your zone of brilliance, it's probably better to just outsource it. Yeah, I think so too. It it changes a lot when you think about coaching practices, done for you services. There are so many options. And I think once someone is confused, they can't really make up their mind. Right. Yeah, true. Um, But then, you know, social media is mostly all about engagement, and that's always going to be true. Um, You can't just post and ghost, as we say, because that's not going to (laughs) work. And and a lot of people think that they can just do that. That's all they have to do, put up a post and, and then walk away, and then everything will be great. But it doesn't really work that way. Exactly. If someone's listening to this and they're just trying to figure out, okay, how do I start practicing this? How do I start putting this into action? What are the fundamental steps that they have to take consideration in? I think whenever you are going to post something, um, you should be engaging 30 minutes before and 30 minutes afterwards. So if you're posting a tweet, maybe, and it's not so much true anymore on Twitter, but um, if you're posting a tweet, hang around for um, half an hour and see if you get any questions or um, comments that you can comment back on. Same with Instagram. And I think Instagram is even more important for that, that you need to hang around and answer questions or reply to comments. If that makes sense. It makes total sense because I'm I'm thinking now if I'm making comments and I'm being active, where should they be active? Because we have, you know, we have different areas within Instagram. You know, Mm -hmm. people can go to different lives. They can go to like shops. You know, they can comment on different hashtags. Is there a certain way that they could interact those 30 minutes prior without being too um, ambiguous? Um, sure, you can, you can use that theory of going to hashtags and commenting on the top 10 hashtags, um, top 10 posts of the top 10 hashtags. You can do that, but, you know, also take some time to, um, engage with people that you're following and who are following you as well. So just scroll down and of the people you're following and make some comments. They always say like, the best customers, the one you already have. So it's kind of similar in social media. Those are your followers. You already have them. The, it's best to keep on engaging with them instead of always searching for new ones. That's true. Now, it's, it's great that you said that, actually, because now I'm thinking about retaining customers, retargeting customers, engaging with customers, and staying consistently fresh <laughs> with your customers. How do you do that when you only have a product and you don't really have a creative mindset? Hmm. Well, you set up content buckets. So 
Um, and there's different ways to set up content buckets, and, and then you use those content buckets to post. So, for instance, if you're a business, um, you could have four content buckets, and one of them would be informational, one of them would be relational, one would be educational, and one would be inspirational. And, and then, actually, another one, aspirational. So, with, when each of those, obviously educational you're teaching um aspirational you're showing customers what's possible with your project product or service um inspirational you're you're just inspiring um your prospective customers and relational you're just showing a part of yourself so because you always want to be a part of your business you want to show that you are a part of your business so those are five, but then you could also separate your content buckets into different things like behind the scenes. Um, you could talk about new products coming out. Um, you could talk about your staff and who works there, what they're doing. Are, do you have like a staff person of the month? Things like that. There's always a lot of content. I think so. But so, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, there is content, but how do I find this content? You know? Like people say, yeah, you can Google it. There are so many ways people can find content. But I think also the imposter syndrome of people posting content that they believe in is also kind of a problem. Don't you think so? Imposter syndrome is always a problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and somebody just said to me the other day that if you're trying to overcome imposter syndrome, help somebody else. That will serve them um you know go out and serve people that will help you get over your own imposter syndrome mm. huh <laughs> okay i'm thinking like so just like okay now it makes sense because the same way you can give someone relationship advice and you still need relationship advice but you can't follow your own advice right mm-hmm. okay that's that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you can't follow your own advice. Yes, but but even more so, it's it's like giving you the opportunity to help somebody, and that will show you that you actually do have the capabilities of helping somebody else, and so therefore you're not an imposter. Right, that is true. That's true. I believe that. I think at that at that point, it, it starts to change the mindset of the person that actually is being influenced by that decision over just, you know, being there and just being present for the sake of it. Right. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. Now I'm thinking when you think about the internet, some people ask this question and I heard it on clubhouse too. And I hear like, okay, I have to be on all these different platforms I have to do this as a business. I don't know where my audience is. I have all this different LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat. Like there's so many platforms now that if somebody did not take their time to really adapt, you know, and even if they hire someone, you know, they don't know what they're hiring for. They don't know what role would be better because they're not sure about that own practice that they're paying for because you know sometimes you may be told okay this is how it's going to work and somebody's going to tell you something else different so how do they stay authentic so they don't start spending money frivolously without having a direction and a goal 
So the number one, they have to determine what their goal is from social media. So why are you there in the first place? Are you there to become an influencer or are you there to drive people to your website, to drive traffic to your website? Um, are you there to sell products? So that's your first thing. So everything, all your goals will influence what you're going to be doing on social media because Social media is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is the attraction phase of your business. You're attracting people to your products and services, um, and that's how you should approach that. Mm. It's like the school bus. So the social media is the school bus, and some people just get hung up. All I need is social media. I don't need a website. I don't need anything else. But that's not true. You always should have your website. And you should always have an email list because those belong to you. And unless you do something really horrible, you're not going to lose them. You could easily lose your social media. Somebody could take it. You could say something that, you know, Facebook doesn't like and bye-bye, you're gone. Yeah. Um, right. So, so social media is like the school bus that's driving people to your website or to your opt-in, you know, if you're trying to grow your email list. That's the number one goal. Does color have a role to play in this? What do you mean by that? Like in terms of psychology of color, <clears throat> branding, call to action, something some colors don't really do so well when you think about nurturing because some colors can be too bright for some people. It could be dark oh. for some people. So where is that like, like center, that balance? Oh, uh, well, there's like a, there's a whole theory behind colors, yeah. which I really don't have time to go into, but yeah, colors influence people. Um, for instance, like the greens are more um, calming and natural, things like that. So you can study the colors and I guess that, um, you know, some people like certain colors themselves and they probably should not just get a website that because of the colors they like they probably should do some research into what color means for different people but i do know that there was a study done that showed that blue does well on on instagram for whatever reason that's interesting blue so blue on a button or blue as a color just as an image like blue clothing yeah Oh. Um, not a button, not a button. It would be like blue clothing, you know, blue background. Hmm. I don't think that's a real recent study, though, so I don't know if it's still true. But based on the um, color studies, you could say that it would be that. That's interesting. You know what I'm thinking now? I'm Imagine if you're doing a quote and your quote is in blue or like a solid color. And maybe you have like an, a white, you probably to offset it. It can really do a lot of good. Now that you're mentioning color, I'm really thinking about it because I was just talking about nurturing and scaling brands with leads um, yesterday on Clubhouse. And I had an amazing guest called Troy. And, and it was so it was so succinct because we looked at the heat maps. We looked at how people are nurturing their, their leads. And most of the people that took the poll said that they 
prefer and they do get leads from referrals and then i think next was social media and then next was networking events but nobody said websites which was shocking to me (laughs) and i was like isn't that the first place you're supposed to go to as a business Huh, that is funny. Well, and they didn't say Google? No, nope. <laughs> nobody said SEO, Google, nothing. It was all social media or networking. <laughs> or referrals. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I know, you know, Facebook advertising is a little more difficult these days, but I think still think that ads work, so there could be that as well. But referrals are probably always the best. <laughs> That's true. But you think about referrals, but you know referrals depend on someone's recommendation, just like a a resume, you know, and recommendations and referrals. But does a business, should a business solely focus on that, even though they're doing 100% well in it? No, I I think they should focus a little bit on everything. Don't put all your eggs in one bucket. Because you never know when that one bucket is going to well, dry up or whatever. But That's true. That, that I mean, it's, it's way back when, when they all put their um, efforts into the yellow pages. Well, even when we started doing social media, people were like, no, I just use the yellow pages because I don't know if social media works. Mm. And we'd say, well, how do you know your yellow pages are working? Hmm. <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Gary V used to say, well, what's the return of investment on your mom? How do you measure that? <laughs> <laughs> now you start to actually critically think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the I love the conversation that, that we have now, especially... The people who are doing businesses, there's one thing I've come to realize, especially this this decade, is that mm-hmm. businesses are starting to realize that they need social media more than ever. Mm-hmm. And yet it was already there before and they didn't realize that SEO practices and search engine optimization was supposed to be the first goal. <laughs> no, that's true. That you know, because people will talk a little bit about this and a little about that, but then they forget that SEO part. I mean, I forgot about it for several years. When I was doing my blog, I was just writing away, putting things out. That's a lot of people right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's almost already too late to be in the social media game. So do you think that they should be focusing more on their website rather than social media? Um, Like I said, I think everybody, everyone should have a website and an email list. Um, Maybe depending on on the business, but everybody should have a website because as I said, you don't own your social media. And, you know, where's Squarespace now? It's gone. Friendster, whatever that used to be called, Friendfeed, Friendster, something like that. <laughs> it disappeared pretty quickly. Periscope's gone. So if you're not bringing people to your email list where they become, and, and somebody calls that permission-based marketing. I can't remember who it is, though. Um, but 
if you do have people on your email list, yes, that they are giving you permission to market um, to them. So, like the social media is what you should use to drive people to your list, so that you can then have permission to market to them. That's brilliant. I think that's that's really what people don't see. And another factor that I notice is that there are so many options. <laughs> there are so many options to choose which CRM to use, which one is better, which one is more mm-hmm. cost effective. So it's it's also about the, the platform, but sometimes people don't really think about the technical part of it. Right, yes. So are you, you mean the platform like the CRM or do you mean the social media platform? Oh, the CRM. Okay, yeah. Um, that's somewhat of a personal choice, I would say. You know, what is easy to use? There are some really good platforms, but maybe too difficult to use, so they're not going to do you any good. And, you know, you have to assess them. Do they meet your needs? And can you work with them? That's true. That's true. And I love what you talked about with the list and it's so underrated and yet email has been there from the beginning, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yep, sure. I think about it every day. And one thing that that's really strikes and I would love to hear your opinion on this is when you think about emails, right? And, you know, let's say a week, you have four weeks in a month sometimes five, but if you have a solid standard four weeks and then in those four weeks, week one, you don't send emails. Week two, you send a lot of emails. When you don't send emails, is there direct impact or indirect impact as opposed to the other week that you send emails based on conversions for businesses? It depends on what your clients and email subscribers are used to. So if you only um, send an email out once a month, say, and then all of a sudden you're going to launch something and all of a sudden your people are getting seven emails in a week or so, because you would do that, you know, uh, you would do a more frequent email sequence when you're launching something, then, yeah, people are going to unsubscribe because that's so unlike you. Like, they never do that. What's going on? They're just trying to sell me something. Right. So one of the things they talk about is you have to teach your email list to purchase. Like, you have to train them that you are going to be offering things for them to, to buy. Um, so that when when you do that, they're like, oh, yeah, she sells things or, you know, whatever. And they expect that from you and then they don't unsubscribe. Mm, that's true I see that because sometimes they unsubscribe when you don't state like hey I'm going to be sending you three emails a week you know right. and, and then you end up sending seven they're like <laughs> now your, your honesty and integrity is pretty much burnt yep something like that yeah it's uh, it's like the e-myth um, if you don't get the experience that you expect even if it's a good experience you're like wait something's wrong with this and you may not even know it consciously it may be a subconscious thing but you're just thinking that's not you know what happened last time and it's like something must be wrong 
Right, exactly. I think that's that's when things change. And and is there a way you can? Just because you said that, I'm just thinking: is there a way you can unlearn, like like have your audience unlearn something and learn something else, or you just have to train them and be consistent in that one thing that you you've literally pre-scheduled um, prior? Um, it's best to train them from the beginning, but even if you do start over, you will have an email list and there will be some unsubscribes, but those who don't un- unsubscribe, those are your best customers anyway. Um, you should actually celebrate your unsubscribe because then you're getting a more accurate email list. Mm. You know, that is one area a lot of people don't like to admit <laughs> when you have like 50 unsubscribes, when you have like a 50,000 mailing list, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a big mailing list. So, you know, that's not really a big percentage of unsubscribes if you have that big of a mailing list. So what if you had five unsubscribes and you had a thousand mailing lists? That's not very big either. I mean, I can't, I'm not a mouth person, <laughs> so I can't do it off my head, but um, that seems okay. But uh, they're not going to buy from you anyways, so it's okay if they unsubscribe. But, you know, you may want to take a look and, and say, okay, why did they do that? Did I go out of character? Um, you know, have you changed the way you do things? It, you can look at things, but I wouldn't worry that much about it. Mm. Yeah. And, and there are some people that are on your mailing list that frequently open, but never do anything. How, how do you, how do you deal with those people? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, there are different ways you could deal with them. You can send them, you know, some kind of a note to those certain people that did. I noticed, um, you don't really opt in for many of my offers. Um, here's a chance for you to unsubscribe if you'd like. Go ahead and click this button below. Hmm. Is that like a... I won't call it a trick question or... No, it's not even a trick question. It's just <laughs> it's just clearing your list. <laughs> okay. Because some people don't like being told, like, here's a door, you know. They, they, <laughs> it's just a natural thing. <laughs> then some people will be like, oh, well, she's giving me permission to leave, so I'm just going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because some people are on your list. Oh, I don't want to offend her. I signed up for a list, and now if I unsubscribe, she's going to call me and ask me, why did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> That just tells you how personal emailing is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is somewhat. It, it's amazing to see that. When when you when you think about, like, mailing, I, there's something that I think about when you think about emailing specifically. When they use, or when people use a second person, like when you have the you and talk to them like they're part of the discussion, even though they've not responded. Is there a way, because I'm most... The reason why I'm talking about this is because of influence. You know, even from the little bit, small, small business, you know, there's always that influence of whatever kind. So if mm-hmm. someone is talking or having a caption or a call to action, is having them in mind as a you factor, second, second person, good? Or 
should they just stick to what they know and see if the right audience shows up? Well, that that's another thing that you should determine at the beginning of your business. It's your customer avatar. And there's a whole list of things that you want to determine about your avatar. You know, are they, are they married? Are they single? Do they have kids? What's their income? Do they live in the country? Do they live in the city? All sorts of things like that. So once you do that, you can write directly to them because you know who they are. And when you're writing directly to them, then those are the people who are going to like hear you because they're like, well, how did she know? She's gotten in my head. And um, you'll be more successful that way. Yeah. Some people actually um, will put a picture of somebody on their desk and say, so here's Jennifer. And Jennifer has these characteristics. And when they're writing their email or even when they're writing their social media posts, they're looking at the picture and, you know, it, it helps to write exactly to that person better. Mm. So it's like creating an avatar like you do in a movie and then describe that person, but kind of like generalize it to your audience. Right. It's, it's your ideal customer. So who are you, who are you making your products for? Every business really should know that. That's true. That's true. But some that start don't. True. <laughs> because a lot of us just jump right in, you know, and we don't stop to think for a while. Yeah, that's Which is true. all right. It is all right, because sometimes it's good to test and see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. It, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And when you think about influence and images, email, text-based, some people say adding gifts work, you know, like there's so many practices, and sometimes people are so confused, they don't know, am I supposed to be doing this? Is it right? Should it go to the spam? If I don't do this, will it go to primary? <laughs> you know, like I'm just thinking based on your, your, your well experience over time, how, how have you perceived, especially when it comes to branding and, and nurturing, what's the best way you can actually tell someone that's starting off like this? Um, to determine what your branding is, you know, write down your business's characteristics and your own. And often, often your avatar will be very similar to yourself because that's just kind of the way human nature works. Um, we identify with ourselves, so there's that. But you can determine your own branding and your brand voice. So, like, are you a serious brand, a funny brand, trendy? Uh, uh, just all sorts of different kinds of characteristics like that. If you can determine those in the beginning, then you can stick to those when you're writing social media or anything. Like um, Moon Pie. I think Moon Pie on Twitter, they're very funny. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't followed them you should they're very funny definitely going to check them out yeah and slightly irreverent but if and then there are others of course who are going to be very serious that's true that's true i love that perception it definitely makes a lot of sense when someone's thinking about you know scaling and you know being consistent with their brand 
That's mm-hmm. amazing. I would say this and you know just you know just before we close because you you've given people a lot of information to carry home today. <laughs> they should definitely take notes and rewind this for sure. But I, I would say one what's one thing that you would leave with the audience and the amazing audience and let them know about influence and marketing and and when when the right time for them to use this too should be applied um well it will just sound cliche but always be yourself just be yourself because um you want to attract those types of people that resonate with you if if they don't like they're going to leave later on once you start showing your true colors so you might as well show them in the beginning that's true. That's true. Wow. Thank you so much, Shelly, for being here. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. If there's any way that they reach out to you and if they want to get in contact with you, what's the best way they can do that? I'm on most of the channels. I'm on Instagram as Shelly Webb, Facebook as Shelly Webb, um, Twitter as Shelly Webb, RN. And then our. Um, business is the social web with one B. That's and also you can follow our podcast, Wine Time Fridays. <laughs> oh yes, speaking of Friday, it is today. <laughs> it is today. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you gotta get your wine. I was actually excited because I, I have some wine and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Right, that kind of day. <laughs> <Friday>. <laughs> right, exactly. What's the name of the podcast so that they can check that? They're probably wondering what podcast is are they talking about? <laughs> it's Wine Time Fridays. Wine Time Fridays. Definitely, you guys tune in. Make sure you're checking in with Shelly. And yeah, make sure you're able to understand that we have so much content for you and we can be able to help you grow. And I really appreciate the time that has been spent today and for listening as well. Thank you, Shelly. Thanks, Favors. Thanks so much. You're welcome.